Welcome to Larpender Life, the podcast about HP St. Paul in the 80s and 90s. I'm your host, Dave Carey. This is the only job where I got to work a half an hour early every day. A bunch of us did. Ludisher was so convincing that he had this guy just panicking. It was the best thing that ever happened to me, frankly. Nobody got hurt, and I got sober that night. This is episode 18, and my guest today is Deb Brashovsky. If you missed any earlier episodes, you can find them on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or your favorite podcast site. And now, here's my discussion with Deb. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Larpender Life. This is Dave Carey, and my guest for today is Deb. And Deb, I, if there's one thing that I can remember about you, it's that every time you were paged, it seemed to be a different pronunciation of your last <laughs> name. So I'm going to let you do it for me. Okay. Back then, I was Deb Broshovsky. I got married while toward the end of my HP career there. So um, I'm now known as Deb Broshovsky Broben. Deb Broshovsky, not Broshevsky, not any, <laughs> anything right. else. So welcome to Larpenter Life. Uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me on. Well, you know, I always start by asking people uh, how and when did you get first connected with HP? Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I was actually um, hired in a bit different manner than most of the people. Um, I came in two different times as a temporary for HP, uh, working for Bobby Bodie. She was Bobby Bodie at the time. And um, I thought I started in 82, but I remember um, the first week I was there, um, I worked with a woman named Julie Clock and a woman named Joanne. And I cannot remember Joanne's maiden name because the weekend after I started, she married Bruce Frerichs. Um, I had to go look at, and Bruce and I are Facebook friends, so I wasn't stalking him, but I went back because I remember every year he posts anniversary wishes to Joanne, and I found out they got married on May 23rd of 81. So I actually got hired like as an as a temp right out of college, like the next week. I must not have had my real job at that time yet, real job, um, my permanent job. So I was there, like I said, right, like May 18th, I would have started something like that. And I wasn't there very long, but I do remember there was just Joanne and Julie. And for the whole area of contracts, it was hardware contracts. There was a, um, you know, those four drawer file cabinets, Sure. We had all over the office. Yeah. There was one and a half drawers of contracts for the whole area. That's how many contracts we had at the time. And we were still, the building hadn't been added onto yet. We had one terminal. I think we shared it with other departments. One terminal that was connected to Chicago. I don't think I ever got on that terminal. I didn't, I did a lot of the, you know, 
um, billing data entry and stuff for Joanne and Julie. I wasn't there very long. And then I, I got a job in the um, child care delinquency business as at a group home. Um, and then I ended up working seven days on seven, seven nights on seven nights off at a, um, a large facility for mentally challenged and mentally ill adults. And I decided I needed more income. So I uh, got, I don't know if I called Bobby directly or how, but I got back into the hardware contracts department and that was early 83. And then we had Claudia Bernard, Mary Mills, Michelle um, Langmo, and Kathy Kasherik. And then I came in to help them out. And then I decided I needed a change of pace. I needed a different life. So I quit everything and moved to California to live with my sister who was going to have her baby in October and my brother-in-law who was in the Marine Corps. Well, my sister's baby was born October 26th and five days later, my brother-in-law was deployed to Okinawa for six months. And my sister didn't want to stay in California anymore. She wanted to go home and live with my parents, our parents. So they came out and got us and I was too I don't know. I don't think I could have afforded to stay there by myself. Plus, I was a little chicken to stay there by myself, even though I had made friends and had a job. So um, before we left, I called my friends at HP and said, hey, I'm coming back. And I'd like a permanent job if anybody's got one. So I got a call from a supervisor of another department. And she said, we'll do an interview when you get back. I said, OK. The next call was from Bobby directly. And I told her, well, I have this interview with this other supervisor. She goes, I don't need an interview with you. You're hired. So my official start date at HP was December 6, 1983, working back in the job that I had been doing the last couple of times I'd been there. So I was thrilled. I was so thrilled to come back to HP and be hired full time. Third time's a charm, as they say. I guess. And how long were you with HP then after that, once you got the permanent spot? Okay, so then um, I would have been there until I was 96, being carried around in a you know a walker if I could have. I loved working at HP and I loved my job. But they moved, um, as you know, they moved all the support services out to Roseville, California. And so I left HP in July of 94. And that time you were in hardware contracts for pretty much your whole career there, right? Exactly. The whole career. Yep. Okay. And did you, uh, in that role, did you uh, mostly work in the office or did you occasionally uh, travel to other offices as well? Okay. Well, I, as a hardware contract coordinator, I didn't do any traveling, but during my time there, I, a job opened up as, and we, the terminology changed we became support agreement coordinators. And then a job opened up. They made a new position called support agreement specialist within the department. And I applied for that and I got it. And that's when I was able to start traveling. Um, and I had some a couple of big customers down in St. Louis. I, we had scheduled, I was supposed to go fly down for the day with Greg Codas to meet with these big TI customers. And it was, I think it was on a Friday and the flight was like nine or 10 in the morning. And I woke up 
at about nine o'clock on Friday morning. I had set my alarm for 6 p.m. instead of 6 a.m. Uh-oh. So, yeah. So I had to call into the office and have them get a hold of Greg and say, yeah, she's not going to make it. So I got a new nickname. Greg started calling me Rip Van Winkle. That was fun. <laughs> and so we, we scheduled that trip. And it was an, another couple of weeks. And they had me fly in the night before. <laughs> they, they didn't <laughs> want any mishaps. Well, I flew in, got to my hotel. Everything was fine. Woke up the next morning. St. Louis had the storm of the decade, a blizzard. So there was no traveling anywhere to customer sites. Um, somehow, I think Greg must have picked me up at the hotel. We drove to the HP office, which wasn't very far away. And luckily, I brought work with me. So we spent the day just, you know, working in the office with about 10 other people. The whole office was closed down pretty much. Um, we managed to all go, a bunch of us went out to lunch. And so that trip was a bust. I know that we eventually scheduled the trip and got down there and met the customers. But I'll tell you what, that that took some doing. Once again, third time's a charm. <laughs> yeah. what, it is, what is it with me in the third time? So you mentioned that if you had your druthers, so to speak, you would have stayed at HP until you were 96. So obviously it was, uh, you have fond memories of that. When you think of working at HP in those days on Larpenter, what stands out? What was it about the culture that was enjoyable to you? Well, you know, people have talked about the management by wandering around the open door policy. You know, the HP management didn't walk around like they were big shots and, you know, I'm the boss and blah, blah, blah. You know, they were just regular people and they fostered that environment throughout the whole office. I remember um, this is the only job where I got to work a half an hour early every day. A bunch of us did. And we would just sit around and talk about what we did the night before we were friends and we were family and you know we just enjoyed being there so much I just never I never had a moment where I didn't want to go to work you know the parties were fun and all that but it was basically just everybody being so much fun and I know that sounds kind of cliche that we were a family but I I really believe that we were um just had a lot of fun working and that's not very common. I think you're right. And I, I think the the thing about family, one thing that people can misunderstand is, you know, if you think about just about any family, certainly mine, you have all kinds of different characters in the family. You know, <laughs> yeah. you have the, you have the, the people who are kind of calm and then you have the people who are always getting into trouble doing something and you, everybody's families like that. And certainly the HP family wasn't all the same. Um, right. It's not, and and people had a different experience. But I think what you said that people just liked being there, physically being there among the other people, um, and everybody could find somebody um, who was similar. I think I think that is very much the case. Absolutely. Speaking of characters, you know, I have a set of questions that I often ask people. Um, just to get them talking when we're doing these these interviews. And I've added one recently because I think in at least half of the interviews that I've done, somebody's had a story about Greg Lodisher. So, so I've now added it as one of my standard questions 
is, do you have any Greg Ludisher stories that you want to share with us? I do. Now I'm going to, it's, it involves a coworker and her then husband. I'm not going to name them because I didn't get either of their permissions to tell this story. Um, but um, I, I, and I know, I don't know that they care if I told this story, but we, my coworker told me a story about her husband when he was in college, he and his buddies lived in a dorm and they were so broke that between however many of them there were, they couldn't even afford a pizza, but they wanted a pizza. So they ordered a pizza and then a couple of them put on pantyhose over their faces and went out and waited in the bushes for this pizza guy to show up. They, hadn't, they didn't have weapons. They weren't going to hurt, hurt the guy. They just wanted to grab the pizza and run. Well, the pizza guy was not giving up that pizza. They jumped him and they tried to get that pizza, but he got away with the pizza and took off and they, they didn't get their pizza. So I said to my coworker, you know what would be really funny is if we have a, a pretend lawyer call your husband at work and pretend that the pizza boy is suing him for pain and suffering. So who better to play a fake lawyer than Greg Ludisher? And he was like all over it. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like fun. The husband had just been hired as a teacher in a school district in the southern suburbs. Like he had been there a week. So we get Greg to call him at work and give him the spiel about the pizza kid. Now, if if this guy had been thinking properly, this is not how you sue anybody. You have to serve papers and do all that stuff. But he was in such a panic when Greg started talking. And he was so convincing that he had the guy scared. And um, when the call ended, we were all laughing and blah, blah, blah. But we didn't want to make him sit too long with it. Um, so we ended up, I ended up calling him back and saying, yeah, it was my idea. But did you just get a call from a lawyer regarding that pizza boy? And the husband said, yeah, what's, I, I don't know what to tell I don't know what to tell my wife. And he was just panicking. And I said, well, it was a joke. She told me the story about the pizza boy and we just thought we should run with it. He was so relieved because he kept saying, I don't know how I'm going to tell her. I don't know how I'm going to tell her. And I then, for the next 11 years, waited for the payback. But he was such a nice guy. He never got me back. But Ludisher was so convincing that he had this guy just panicking. He also came around one day and told all of us, Here, there's this 800 number. You should call it. Just call it. And I'm like, what is it? What is it? Trust me, just call it. And I think it ended up being one of those psychic hotlines so I think for a couple of days, HP paid for a bunch of psychic hotlines. <laughs> you know, um, I think I'm going to have to rename this from LARP into life to Ludisher life or something. <laughs> the stories are too good about Greg and there seems to be uh, no end to him. But I think he he really did represent the kind of fun that that people had while we while we were working. So, um, you know, it's, it's easy to look back on the past in a very uh, positive light with rose-colored glasses and remember all the good things. And I, I think that's natural, and I think it's a great thing that we do that. But are there any things that were difficult for you back then or things that people misremembering? You know, what, what was the hardest part of that era for you? Well, I um, struggled with 
alcohol and HP was, you know, very alcohol oriented when we would go out to, I remember the steak and ale and a bunch of us girls would go to the ground round after work, you know, parties during Christmas or what, whatever occasion. I mean, oh, it's Wednesday. Let's have a party. Um, and for the most part, I was okay, but I did struggle with uh, my alcohol use and all that. And um, I, I went to therapy and all that stuff, but I wasn't ready to do anything about it. Um, I was functioning. I was going to work. You know, I was eventually I was raising a child um, and then I got married and had another child. But um, in 19, no, in 2008, I had a one car accident. I ran into a parked car up in Ely and it was the, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Frankly, nobody got hurt and I got sober that night and it was April 15th of 2008, which was ironic because I was a tax collector for the department of revenue and that was tax day. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I never took another drink after that. And so I've been sober 13 years. Um, I don't regret, you know, waiting. I guess I don't regret that it took me that long because I had a lot of fun experiences, but there was some, there was some bad times in there too. And so I, I just wanted to put that out there that, you know, you can have a lot of fun and then sometimes you just have to pay the piper and, and, do what's best for yourself and your family. And I, I did, and I'm extremely grateful to this day. Well, that's quite a story. And I, you know, just on behalf of everyone, first of all, I'm glad that, um, that you were able to make that change. Um, not everybody could do that. And that you've oh, yeah. had the, I don't know what the right word is, courage uh, to talk about it um, now that's uh, fantastic. And I'm sure that many other people can relate to what you went through. And some people, maybe they're going through it now. Um, So um, much appreciated and congratulations on being able to uh, take the step that you did um, and recognize it. And um, that's, that's really a fantastic thing that you, you were able to talk about. Well, thank you. Now, if I could just get over the cigarette smoking so Deb, um, really, I've enjoyed um, talking to you today. Um, are there, or would you like to give us a little update on what you're up to these days? Where you're at? Where are we talking from? And and what's going on in your life these days? Okay. Well, as I said, I lived in Ely for 23 years. Um, I left Revenue in 2008 and got to do. What I had always wanted to do since I was a child, and that was be a cashier, which is, you know, little girls wanted to be nurses or teachers or mommies. I always wanted to be a cashier. So um, after 25 years working with in customer service over the phone, I was finally able to actually work directly with people. Um, it's not all it's cut out to be, I found out. But I worked at, at the Lucky 7 gas station for a little while part-time. I was already disabled. I'm, I have rheumatoid arthritis. I was diagnosed in 2001. So I can't do a lot of jobs. I can't type anymore. I can't do a lot of jobs I used to do. But I could still be a cashier. And then I worked at Zoops, the grocery store in Ely, for seven years. 
um, and retired from there in 2017. I'm now in Duluth. I moved to Duluth then, and I'm about a half a mile from my older son, Ryan, which a lot of the people there knew him as a child. And I am just retired and being a bomb. Now, this year, I have one granddaughter. She's 15, lives in Lakeville. So I I do do a lot of driving to go down and get her when Ryan's still working and she's coming for the weekend. Um, and then this year I traveled a lot. I did a 13 day road trip with my sister and brother-in-law to Florida in March, then a short road trip to Denver with my younger son, Jesse, a couple of different weeks at my sister's summer trailer up in Garrison. I guess it would be down in Garrison for me. Um, I did another road trip to Denver and then my son and I, Jesse and I did a little sightseeing on the way back from Denver. And then in October, I got to go to Vegas for the first time since the eighties. So I did a lot of, I just wanted to be gone a lot this year. And, um, and I spend as much time with my, both my boys as I can and my granddaughter. Well, Deb, all of that time with family and and that travel sounds fantastic, and I'm very glad to hear that. I really appreciated um, chatting with you today. It's been great. I really appreciate you uh, spending time with us. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you very much, Dave. I had a wonderful time. Thanks for listening. Larpenter Life is produced solely by me, Dave Carey. It's not affiliated or sponsored by HP in any way. Please let me know what you think of the podcast. And as always, I'd really love to have you as a guest. It's really simple, I promise. So if you're ready to do that, please send me an email at larpenterlife at gmail.com. Until next time, take care, everybody. <laughs>